You're listening to the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. This is Jack Walker. With me, as always, is Paul, wait for it, the Jameis. So, he's the Director of Technical Service. If you've listened to us before, you're used to our shenanigans. And, uh, Paul, it is a, uh, it's French toast time in St. Louis. French toast time? Well, yeah. I mean, so, Snowmageddon is predicted for this weekend. Yeah. Yep. So, everybody goes to the grocery store to buy bread. Milk, eggs, bread. Yeah. Yep. Which... French toast. French toast. Yep. See, and one of the things that we used to do, you know, I lived in New Orleans for a long time, and when a hurricane was coming, first thing that was gone off the shelves, the beer. Well, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I stocked up at my house earlier this week. Milk, I mean, and milk wasn't on my list. How else are you going to stand in the middle of the road with an American flag with long hair flying in the hurricane wind and headbang if you don't have beer? <laughs> Something had to uh, initiate that 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 thought process. <laughs> I thought I read somewhere that like there are people that storm view on their boats out in the water. Yeah. What kind of special do you have to be to be like, honey? I believe that there's a death-inducing storm coming our way. Let's go out on the water. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I guess if your boat's big enough, it's safer out in open water than it is at the dock. Because if you've ever seen... You're really going with it? Yeah. Oh, that's no, what you're I'm safer go. for the boat. Safer not, for the boat. Yeah, not, not the not people. Not for you. No. Yeah, because yeah, well, if you've ever seen a marina after a hurricane came through, oh, I'm man, sure. there's not a lot left standing upright. Well, I feel like if you're more worried about your boat than your life, maybe you should go like right into the eye of the storm. <laughs> if you time it right, you could probably ride out that dead space until you get back Just to the right, Yeah, right. The yeah. true eye of the storm. Yeah. yeah. So, Paul... Now that, you know, we've got that over with, how do they get hold of us? Yeah, they can reach us on email. We're at technicalservice at carboline.com. You can also get us on Twitter. Jack's at Jack underscore CTSP, and I'm at Paul underscore CTSP. So, you know what, Jack? What? I don't even have that written down anymore. You just do it? I, I know those. Yeah, that's why I make you do it. Yeah. Because I don't. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you can email us at... um. Something we got, we got an email address. And uh yeah, I'm I'm on Twitterverse and that's the thing. I understand that, you know, we get to get on one of your soapboxes today. <laughs> you know, especially this week, it seems to be this has been a topic for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, this is the first time in Carboline Tech Service podcast history that I went to you and said, What are we gonna talk about this week? And you like immediately you, yeah, you weren't even done asking me, yeah, and yeah, I had like, the topic. I, I was like, what are we talking about? And you're like, boom, here Man. we go. Now, if anybody out there listening, if you have a topic, a pet topic that you want us to talk about, let us know. That's what we put that email address out there for, or the Twitter handles. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Otherwise, we are going to keep picking them ourselves. So that's a good point. We announced to the world last week that maybe a little prematurely. Yeah, yeah but we're okay. That we're going to be live recording the podcast at the upcoming SSPC Codings Plus conference. So, if you want us to talk about, like, you're going to be at the conference and you want to listen in and you want us to cover something, send us an email at those email address. Hit us up on Twitter. I do know during the conference we will be using the main Carboline Twitter handle. Yep. Looking for topics. 
And we're going to have, there's going to be a team of people that are monitoring that account because we're not going to be able to monitor it closely while we're recording. So there's our, our marketing group's going to be watching the main Carboline account in order for us to be able to see what those topics are, see what are coming up. And come on by and talk to us, you know, especially if you want to be on the show, let us know. Yeah, come by, punch Paul in the face. What I mean, you know, whatever, <laughs> talk to us, you know. Um, so I guess I got to be on the other side of the, the glass as but- that... Well, that's funny because originally when this whole thing started, they did want to put us in a bubble, like in a little fish tank. Yeah. Because they were worried about outside noise. These uh, episodes will probably be a little bit noisier than any of the other ones than, that we've done in the past. Yeah, but it's not too bad. We did our new microphones with the other the other live broadcast that we did, the other live recording. As per usual, we got a little sidetracked. I yeah. wanted to say, oh, I'm not getting back on the main topic. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wanted to say, did you ever think we'd ever have a team of people for this thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> that was always a hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So let's get back on. Stay on target. Let's get all back right. on target. So you asked me what we need to talk about this week. Yeah, yeah. A little, uh, yeah. little soapbox for yeah. you. This week, it became painfully obvious that we need to cover and discuss and, and bring back around the standard MEK double rub test. Be careful. You already broke the rule there. I know I did. And what we're really talking about is ASTM D5402. Which he already made a mistake saying it was the MEK double rub test because this specification doesn't specify what solvent you use no, it for sure your double rub test. Right. One of the main things that this says, and I mean, it's actually, you know, in the scope of the standard, s- section 1.2, this practice does not specify the solvent, number of double rubs, or expected test results. So, so by, hold on, time out. I feel like we got a little ahead of ourselves, just a hair. This we're talking about. We said it was ASTM D fifty four two, but the name of that is the standard practice for assessing the solvent resistant of organic coatings using solvent rubs. So one thing I want you to notice right away, I said organic coating. So we're not talking about using this standard for checking the cure of inorganic zinc rich coatings. That is ASTM D forty seven fifty two. And if you want to hear more about that one, you could listen to episode 15 and 16 where we talk about inorganic zincs. Okay, so now back around ASTM D5402, you were saying doesn't specify the solvent. Not the solvent, not the number of rubs, nor what a passing result is. It gives a recommendation and it says for the standard, you can assume it would be this. So if it's not specified differently, this standard goes as far as saying the normal standard procedure is going to be 25 double rubs with MEK, methyl ethyl ketone. So that's kind of the standard, but it does allow for, by name, it also allows for mineral spirits, xylene, or mentioned in section 5.1.4, other solvents as specified by the coating manufacturer or user. And that's the key point, because the coating manufacturer is always going to know what solvents that coating should be resistant to. It's one of the main points of emphasis that I'd like to make today is that if you're going to be doing a solvent rub test, you really need to contact the manufacturer to understand which solvent you should be using with that coating. We can speak in some generalities and we Mm -hmm. will, but MEK works pretty well for most epoxies. Yeah. You know, um, and one of the things that you got to look at is you want to, you also need to know why you're running the test. Sure. Are we running this test on a tank lining 
that's going to be immersed in a similar chemical or an aggressive chemical. And we really want to make sure that it's fully cured. And I know here at Carboline, we've got some that don't have great resistance to MEK, and we wouldn't recommend it for MEK service, but you still have to have something to test the cure for it. We're going to give you a different solvent to use. Because if you use MEK, it may never prove to be resistant, but yet you could put it in hydrochloric acid and it'll last all day long. So since it doesn't pass MEK, would that mean it's not cured or it's not suitable for use? No. That's why you ask the manufacturers. They're going to give you the best advice to make sure that you're testing cure for that service. All right, it's that time again. It's that time to remind you that Carbline pays the bills, and they're paying a bill for us. They're sending us out into the public, Paul. We are going to get to go out and meet people in the wild. I can't believe it. If you don't know what we're talking about yet, you need to stop by at the SSPC Codings Plus Conference in Orlando, Florida. It's February 12th to the 14th. Carbline is going to have a booth, and guess what? We're going to be doing the podcast live in the booth. That's booth number 601. You come by, stop by. I think we have a giveaway for you. Plus, you know, you get to hang out with me and Paul. What could be better than that? Yeah. We'll be doing some recordings live in front of the uh, studio right there. All right. That's again, that's uh, booth number 601 at SSPC Coatings Plus in Orlando, February 12th through the 14th. Now, this standard goes on to outline several different ways that you can perform this test. The main one being method A, which they call the standard method. Go figure, there's a standard within the standard. (laughs) Yeah. What I will tell you is this is the test that most commonly is done in the industrial coding industry. It sure is. It's the, the other method is method B, and that one is described as the coil coders method. And we'll get into those differences in a, in a minute and tell you what the differences are, but they're relatively the same. There's some minor, minor things there. All right, so let's start, start with the standard method or method A. The first thing you have to do is clean the surface with water. This is just to make sure that you're really, there's not any dirt or debris or anything like that because you're cleaning off with the solvent. We truly just want to use the solvent to check the cure of the coating. Right, and the reason that we're, that we're cleaning it is because the second thing that we're going to do is measure the dry film thickness. So you don't want to clean it. You know, most people think of the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to wipe it with MEK or xylene or something. Well, you don't want to do that if it has the chance of damaging the film. So we want to make it just clean so that we can know how thick it is that we're starting with. Then you're going to mark off an area that's 100 millimeters by 25 millimeters. So 25 millimeters is one inch. So you're marking off a one inch by four inch area. Yep. And... What you want to do is within that one by four area, you're going to rub back and forth with the cloth. And they give some specification in here as to what the cloth should be. And basically, we're looking at a cotton cheesecloth style material. That should be dripping wet with the solvent. Right. And they want you to do everything. You need to be doing the test for your first 25 rubs, ideally, within 10 seconds of that rag coming out of the solvent. Now, they tell you to apply... About 1,000 to 2,000 grams of pressure to the surface. So now... So in English? How much is that? That's uh, two and a half pounds (laughs) to 4.4 pounds. So if you think about it, 1,000 grams is a liter of water. That's right, Jack. That is where that standard came from. You know, they went through when they originally put together the metric system. And, you know, a kilogram equaled a liter of water. The metric system. You know yeah. what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in France? <laughs> <sighs> 
best movie ever. <laughs> anyway, so one thing it even tells you in the standard is if you're in a lab, go over to a scale and figure out what it takes to consistently apply the pressure between 1,000 and 2,000 grams. Yep. And so, because what you're going to want to do is you're going to be rubbing back and forth in that, you know, you're going to do your 25 rubs or whatever is specified by the coating manufacturer. Yes. Or agreed upon on site. And you're going to do those double rubs using that same pressure in that four inch long strip. Back and forth across the four inches. So let's. Right. So up and down is one. That, up and down is two. As I say, that's a good point. Let's talk about what is a double rub. You are going to fully go from your starting position all the way forward and all the way back through the four inch space, and that's one. Two. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, that is one. I was just. Joking around, I don't want to make it any more confusing. So down and back equals one. When you're all done and you do either, they do make a note in the specification in the standard that says you do this for 25 rubs or if all of the coating is removed prior to that, you stop. You don't have to keep rubbing 25 more times. When you get done with your 25, if that's how far you've gone, you want to wait and allow the surface, the area to dry. MEK evaporates pretty quick. Yep. Different solvents may take longer. Xylene's going to be slower. Toluene's going to be slower. MEK is pretty quick. So you wait for it to dry, and you do a visual inspection. You're going to just look at it and say, how does this space compare to the space surrounding it for appearance, for gloss, for color consistency? And you can do a quick thumbnail hardness check just to see, is the surface recovering? Is it hardening back up? And it wants to be, ideally, you want it to be the same as the surrounding area. One of the things that's important to note is you're not supposed to check the outside of your one inch by four inch area. You're really supposed to concentrate on the middle, mainly because that middle is going to be the part that is affected the most. That's right. And you don't want to, although you can take some preliminary observations right away, the full review, you should wait up to 24 hours and allow that coating to fully recover. Before you do things, and they recommend in the in the standard, they recommend doing gloss evaluations, doing dry film thickness, and doing pencil hardness testing. Now, they don't tell you what those results should be in the standard, because that's left to what kind of coating it is, talk to the coating manufacturer, what would passing information be, and you're going to compare the tested area to the not tested area. Correct. And passing or failing will be determined individually by every coating and job situation. Right. One thing that they do also specify is you want to be doing it with either a white rag or a rag that is in a contrasting color to the coating system that's being tested. The main reason for that is you want to be able to see if something is being transferred to the rag that you're testing with. So now the main difference between this method and method B is method B, you go longer and you go faster. So and harder. And harder. So method B, they want you to... Isn't there a song like that? Longer, harder, faster? Uh, I wasn't going to touch touch any of that with a (laughs) 10-foot pole. I was going to stay so far away from any of that. It's not even funny. But anyway, now you're using 2,000 to 3,000 grams pressure. You're going double the distance. Uh, You're going eight inches instead of four inches. And you're doing it at 100 rubs per minute instead of the 60 rubs per minute for so method A. You're putting more in per minute, more rubs per minute, and you're doing them twice as long. That You're really hauling when you're rubbing for the coil sure. rub test. So one of the things that the standard goes on to talk about is consistency. And one of the practices 
back in the day was that you would use a two-pound ball-peen hammer, mm-hmm. put the cloth on it, and use it to maintain steady pressure across the test area. But what, what they outlined in this test is actually that's one of the least efficient and consistent ways to do the test. I, you know, I was really amazed. I've seen this table before. The table's been in the standard for several versions now. And we're actually looking at, in 2015, they updated the standard, was the most recent update. And they have a a table that they did, and it was comparing five different laboratories. They tested four different procedures. One of them was the standard method that we talked about using your fingers. One of them was a cotton swab method, where it's a cotton swab on the end of a wooden stick. They dip it in the solvent, they rub it, and the amount of pressure is enough to bend the stick but not break it. They they did it with the two-pound ball-peen hammer. And they did the coil coder method. And each laboratory did it on three samples and three samples each of three different types of coatings. And the most consistent actually was the human hand. I was amazed. I, I would have thought that the ball peen hammer would give you the most consistent results. Well, sure, because it's a steady two pound weight. But yeah. no, it actually had the worst standard deviation out of all of them. Yeah, really. I, I was amazed. And then the, the longer, faster, harder was second worst. Yeah, which I'm not surprised by that at all. But the epoxy method, or the, the finger method used on epoxy, had, in their test, zero deviation. Sure. Every single one of them got the same exact results. Now, part of that is due to the extreme solvent resistance of the epoxy, because they did right. this test until they reached 200 rubs or bare steel, whichever came first. Right. And so, clearly, this was a coating that was resistant to MEK. Yep. And they did not talk about what coatings were used for any of these tests, just a generic epoxy, a generic alkyd, and a generic coil coat. So I think that about does it for us this week, but I just kind of want to real quick summarize the big points here. The standard is ASTM D5402. It's for testing organic coatings with solvent. Doesn't specify the solvent. Doesn't specify the number of rubs. However, it does specify... Every 25 rubs, you should change your cloth and re-dip it re-dip in your solvent. and things like that. Everything goes to the coating manufacturer. So that's where you reach out to your technical service for your coating manufacturer and find out how many rubs and what solvent for your coating and service. So we'd be happy to tell you what solvent to use and how it passes. Yeah, just call up and uh, we'll send you to bill them. <laughs> anyway, that does it for us this week. Getting ready for snowmageddon. I think so. I'm going to go tuck in for a long, long cold night. See, I got the whole Mission Impossible box set for Christmas. Oh, I yeah. think uh, my 12-year-old has a rude awakening because we're probably going to... I'm going to see how many I can get this weekend. I've come to the realization my kids need to see The Matrix. Just the first one, though. Well, yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's, that's the only one worth watching. But I may make them watch the other ones, and I don't, I'm not watching them no, again. But no, no. It, yeah. it, it, it jumps the shark. Yeah. So anyway, that's it for us. We'll see you next Monday.